0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad.
2: Because it's getting ready to be on. I want
0: my
1: whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath. That I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report
3: with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder
1: Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger, my rollerblading blonde Mohawk
3: producer, the pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about.
2: just the history like if you go on a date and with somebody three times you should know that she or he whoever you're with likes like a lemon drop or a shirley temple like but like that's what you should should know so i kind of look at it for what it is like i don't make it like all these giant things
0: like you know like we're going on our third date you know hopefully we can take them home
1: Welcome, everybody, to a wild card edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And that was Bill's left tackle, Deion Dawkins, talking about their third date with the Miami Dolphins.
3: Yeah, we will take them home, but we will leave them in a ditch.
1: <laughs> we will take them home and not call them again. It's almost like Anchorman. I'll take your mother out for, for a nice dinner and never call her again.
3: Dorothy Mantooth is a saint.
1: Oh, folks, that is it. This is it. We're, we're hoping that this is the one. Third time's the charm. Let's let's get this thing in the garage and get it done quickly. This is your wild card preview. The Miami Dolphins against the Buffalo Bills. Your time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. The place ruffles in Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. The weather's going to be a balmy 35, partly sunny. Less than ten percent chance of precipitation. Less than ten mile an hour wind. Chris, it doesn't get much better in Buffalo, New York, on a Sunday for football. Does no, does
3: it? It doesn't.
1: The line of the game. The Bills are now minus thirteen, which is the largest spread in Wild Card Weekend history. That seems aggressive, doesn't it? It is. Would you? St- would you still remember how we, this season we've been on this kick about taking the opponent with the points? Yeah. Would you recommend that here?
3: I'd probably stay away from this altogether.
1: (laughs) Stay away, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you'll you'll be happy to know that uh, Rockpile Report attorney Mark Smith, uh, what was it, minus 275, I think, for the Bills, minus 7?
2: All right.
1: Ah, Look at him, he's he's not scared, Chris. When did you lose your moxie?
3: I haven't placed a, a bet on football since the conference championships really mhm I should you just stick to college
1: oh so your season your betting season already ended
3: mm mm-hmm.
1: mhm <sighs> man this is this is where things get dicey the NFL playoffs the crew for the game is going to be Brad Allen's and I I don't know whether I love or hate this he he officiated our game against Kansas City earlier in the year Chris how did you feel About how that game was officiated?
3: It was fine because we won
1: It's his fourth season as a playoff official This season he's in the bottom quarter Of the NFL in total penalty yards And flags per game And that bodes well I think for a game That could require more defensive holding If you're the Buffalo Bills secondary Let's just call it what it is You almost want A Bill Vinovich type for a game like this Don't you? Yeah Who do we have on the call? Romo and Nance again. Oh, we get the A crew. It's funny. Greg Thompson made an observation. He goes, the Bills seem to win whenever in Romo and Nance. He's like, Romo and Nance are fine. They do tend to talk over the plays. And he's like, they don't let the game breathe enough. But the Buffalo Bills do win whenever they broadcast the game. So sure, we'll take it.
3: Yeah, Fox and NBC have the second crews. They have the... uh Two games on NBC this weekend and two on Fox. So, obviously, CBS only needs its A crew this weekend.
1: I did hear Al Michaels coming back to Sun. Doesn't it just seem right? Al Michaels on yeah. an NBC Sports broadcast?
3: Al Michaels and Tony Dunchy doing the Chargers and Jags. This whole Kirk Herbstreet, L.
1: Michaels thing that they put together for Thursday Night Football, I think it sucks.
3: I like Herbie. I, I
1: don't mind Herbie. And I love El Michaels, so it's it's almost like when you put your two like Chris when you introduce me to any of your oh wait you don't have any other friends.
2: I mean,
3: there's, <laughs> there's.
1: if I, I'm a, if if someone were to introduce me to one of their friends and be like obviously these two like football they'll get along and then we just you know I get drunk and say some off color things and upset yeah. the room maybe take a bite out of their sandwich while yep. we're sitting at a table. You don't, inv- Chris, didn't you say that once? Like, you were out with your roller hockey friends? You were like, oh, no, I have people I do things with that you will never meet.
3: Yeah, <laughs> sounds accurate.
1: Key injuries. For Buffalo, we have the shortest injury report we've had in a month and a half. Realistically... There's You have the managing stuff, right? You've got the guys who are all kind of going through something. Jordan, Jordan Phillips with his shoulder injury that he just continues to. It's like you can tell his shoulder isn't stable, but he's going to gut it out. They've got him in a harness. He's just going to try to gut it out. He didn't practice. Uh, Roger Saffold is just getting rest. I don't. He, he's he got a whole bunch of stuff going on, I think. He's more in that Taron Armstead kind of a thing where it's just nagging things. Jordan Poyer with his knee, shoulder, chest, fucking everything. And then Isaiah McKenzie with a hamstring. And then everybody else, you know, Cam and Josh Allen are full participation. For the Miami Dolphins. Huh, cri- huh. Holy shit. I don't think I've seen a team this beat up entering a playoff game ever. Not ever. First of all, you have the discord at the top of the depth chart with the quarterbacks. To a tug of a low, there was a lot of back and forth, right? There was a lot of speculation. You, you, you saw it with the Vegas betting line, how it moved. Last night, because I, I, I think the Bills opened as what? Ten and a half point favorites? And then the line crept down to about 8 Because people thought Tua might play And there was all this conjecture And then today they just came out and said Look he's not going to make it Because what is he only like 18 days removed From his last concussion 16 days
3: Yeah something like that
1: So they rule him out And then they say Teddy Bridgewater also If, if we had to play you know, Not ready Not ready to go So he's, he's not going to practice if the game was today, Skylar Thompson's the quarterback, so that's a fucking problem. Then you go to defensive end Bradley Chubb with an ankle and a broken hand. Yeah, he's wearing like a he's got a wrist injury that he's got all kinds of brace stuff for. Wide receivers Jalen Waddle and Tariq Hill. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm being crazy when I say they might be the nice like those are the nicest things Miami owns right now. Correct? Yeah. Both of them have ankle injuries Likely to play But something to monitor Because Tariq Hill Ever since he got his ankle injury Has not been the explosive player That we're used to seeing
3: Yeah, ankle injuries can be real nagging I've had several of those
1: Yeah, because you're you're playing
3: roller hockey Hey Can't help it, I'm an athlete You're not What are we, four or five months From you uh, just taking a knee behind a plate While somebody soft tosses you a loaf of bread? That is true. I did strike.
1: You you got the video. I did strike out looking in slow pitch softball. So. I would never. That's going to haunt me for a long time in these debates. (laughs) Running back Raheem Mostert broke his thumb against the Jets and had surgery. And yet he's telling everyone in the media that he's going to play. Then you look at every. Every single offensive tackle on the roster has some kind of... Look look at this. Uh, Austin Jackson, on the IR with a foot injury. Uh, What was he at? He he was a first-round pick the same year we drafted A.J. Appanessa. Eric Fisher, they signed this guy for $3 million off the street. Never played a game. Got hurt in practice and immediately went on IR.
3: Was that like the (laughs) former... First round pick. Yes. Or like second, for it when it was like Luke Jokel and Eric. Yeah. And that kept, guy. Everyone God. kept
1: wondering who was going to be. And it was Eric Fisher. And guess what? They both sucked. This guy literally never played a game for Miami, took a bunch of their money, and then got hurt in practice. Never played it down. Brandon Shell hurt himself against the Jets this last week with a high ankle sprain. He had an MRI this week just to see how bad it was. Chris, if you have to get an MRI for an ankle sprain, you're missing at least one game. Yeah. Kendall Lamb, right? Only one game for Miami this season. Just 32 snaps against New England, then rolls his ankle and gets carted off the field. He was inactive last week, and... I don't know. The staff didn't seem confident that the ankle injury would let him play anytime soon. Offensive tackle Greg Little has a foot injury that he is playing through. He finished the game against the Jets this past weekend for Brandon Shell. But also Greg Little has the affliction of just not being very good at football. And then Teron Armstead. Guy's been an absolute warrior. He's fighting through four separate injuries and has been for most of the season. He's got a toe injury, a hip injury, a pec injury, and a knee injury. But he finally just couldn't do it anymore and missed their last game. His status is something to watch, given how thinned out the rest of the roster is. And the coaches are expressing doubt that this guy might be able to go. I've had it with this dump we got no food. we got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! I mean, it really is a shit show over here for the Miami Dolphins, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, That leads us into the game. And for the second straight season, the Buffalo Bills will start the postseason, hosting a fellow member of the AFC East. And for the second straight season, it's against a divisional opponent who we split the regular season series with. There really are a lot of similarities to last season's tilt against the Patriots. Just luckily not the weather. That zero degree tailgate was fun, but also it's not anything I'd volunteer. Like it's one of those things. Like, I don't know. Whoa. whoa, whoa, What shopping at Burlington coat factory or, uh, I don't know. Like it's one of those things you do it once because people are like, Oh, it'll be cool. And you go, well, that was an experience. I'm not gonna voluntarily do it again anytime soon. We're just, but that'll go down as one of the most memorable days of football. Just from tailgate to all of our beer freezing to going home and sucking down a thirty pack and rewatching the game with Lieutenant Colonel Hulberg in my basement until six a.m. Knowing full well I had to be up in like two and a half hours to get up by nine o'clock to disassemble, move, and reassemble a crib with my father-in-law. Like, that whole day was just, it's stuck there. I'll I'll never forget it. And there's also, at the same time, there's also a ton of similarities to another playoff game that I also enjoy very, very much.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So the year was 2017. Rex Ryan had recently been fired, and the Bills had lost to the Dolphins in what is just embarrassing fashion on Christmas Eve. And the result is that the Dolphins get into the playoffs and end a six-year playoff drought. Like The Bills had their own drought. The Dolphins had a smaller version of that that they were able to exercise. Everyone's pumped. Everyone in the Dolphins fan base is excited. And then they have to travel to Pittsburgh to take on the highest-seeded team not to obtain a bye week that that year with an injury-depleted roster and a backup quarterback in Matt Moore at the helm. And it was an absolute bloodbath. That was never close. The the, the answer like the, the outcome of the game was almost never in question. The Steelers led twenty to six at halftime, thirty to six at the start of the fourth quarter. They forced three Miami turnovers, including a couple fumbles by the quarterback, just because of the state of the offensive line, and ultimately produced one of the most I I hate to say it but delightfully boring playoff games I've ever watched in a long long time. Because I'm a petty son of a bitch. We see a similar story playing out here as the dolphins come limping their way into orchard park and to talk to us about it. F- friend of the show. You guys know him from our AFC's roundup show every week. Mr. Elf Artiaga. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. He is the host of the three yards per carry podcast, weekly guest over at the AFC's roundup, a beer drinker, and more importantly, a cigar aficionado. Now I got to ask elf, did you break out the victory stogies? Was there any of that going on in the Arteaga residence Sunday after you guys clinched a playoff berth?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every every year uh, I always put away like a bottle of a Prosecco for when they qualify for the playoffs because there's only, in my opinion, there's only three things to, actually four things that you can celebrate in a football season. Qualifying for the playoffs, winning the division, Winning the AFC, winning the Super Bowl, so those are four things, right? Mm-hmm. So they qualified for one. I didn't expect them to do much more, but you know, you always held out hope that they would clear Tua in time so he could play on Sunday and we could have round three of what I thought was a great, great series this year.
3: Oh, but for sure.
2: That's not going to happen now.
1: No, unfortunately. But but you got to admit that that because it's like it's almost like in hockey. Right? Like in hockey, when it comes to goals, the quote is, they don't ask how, they ask how many. (laughs) So even if you win ugly, it doesn't matter. Like, it it doesn't matter. You got the wins, you got the playoffs. That's what matters. It's the same thing for Dolphins fans. Like, they don't ask how you got into the playoffs. Even if your last game (laughs) was a mess, you still made the cut. And that's something to be proud of because there's half a league that didn't, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's as simple as that. I, I tried to, I tried to tell people that, that try to poo poo the playoffs because these are the same people that were really, really spoiled in the nineties when the Dolphins made the playoffs almost every single year. Uh, I tried to explain the Green Bay Packers have been in the NFL for a thousand years. They've made the playoffs 35 times in their history. The Dolphins have made the playoffs 24 times in their history. So that tells you how rare it is. And the Packers by the way, they're the most. They have the most playoff appearances of any team in the NFL. Cowboys are second with 34. So that tells you alone how rare and how special it actually is. Man,
1: like the, how does the how do the Packers as a, like they go from legendary head coach. I mean, the Super Bowl trophy is named after him. Like pfft. They go from that guy to multiple franchise quarterbacks, star quarterbacks, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. It's one of those things that's always eluded me, like how a franchise can just keep reloading at one position that ultimately makes the most difference. Because neither of our franchises were able to do that. For I mean, what we we well, is it fair to say that each one of our franchises has had one to two truly franchise quarterbacks? Is that fair?
2: Yeah, uh, the Dolphins had two, uh, you know, Brian Greasy and, and Dan Marino, and that was pretty much it. Uh, they had a couple of nice seasons from Ryan Tannehill. They had one MVP. Uh, he actually finished second in the MVP voting, uh, Chad Pennington year, and then his shoulder fell off the, the following <laughs> preseason. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we've built up to this season for for Tua Tagovailoa, and he looks all right but you know he has the that concussion issue this year which was going to shut him down as soon as he had you know his official second concussion you could you could kind of see it coming especially since he he's not being cleared by the NFL doctors so that kind of tells you everything you needed to know
1: it's it's a disappointing thing like to your point if we were going to sit here and we were going to talk i mean how I guess that's that's the weird thing about this game. Usually, we would launch into a conversation about all the X's and O's and how the defense might align and different things that you're going to prepare. And yet, there's a couple there's a couple narratives that, or at least game shaping dynamics that I think really play a much larger role than anything the coaching staffs are going to roll out here. Because you know, I feel like we've done this dance before. You know, at one point, it's the Bills. We're all beat up, coming to your stadium. The weather takes its toll. We lose a close one. And we basically get told that blaming injuries for not winning a nail-biter was stupid. Then the Dolphins come to Buffalo with a shorthanded defense, a bunch of guys with various elements, and the Bills pull off this improbable come-from-behind win. It's almost storybook. And you know, some people are like, well, if this player was there and that player's there. And I said, well, listen, they weren't. That's, that's We ran into it. You ran into it. So now we get together to do this rubber match thing no inclement weather no you know, no shenanigans no real excuses but then before we can even get into like really dissecting like how are these two teams going to match up your team just gets completely waylaid with injuries i mean i'm looking at this depth chart this is the, it, it's hard because it, even if you take the quarterback situation out of the equation right you guys still might be the most singularly injured team in the NFL postseason picture, right?
2: Yeah, it's you know, and it's at every single possession. It's it you know, and it doesn't stop either. Like it's every single week. And I remember when they had their first injury. Uh, you know, they came into the season without Byron Jones, but when when Tua went down, they had that little stretch without him against the Jets and the Vikings, where they started dropping. And then when you start seeing, wait a minute, now we're taking serious injuries week in and week out. We lose the right tackle for the year. We we lose our nickelback for the year. We, we lose our strong safety for the year. We lose another cornerback for the year. We we lose the guy that we expected to start a, at cornerback, and Trill Williams in the last preseason game on a meaningless tackle that looked normal, looked normal to anybody who saw that tackle. But he gets up and he's like, wait a minute, there's something wrong with my knee. Let me go get it checked out. Oh, you blew out your knee. You know, and then it's just it goes on and on and on that when we're going to play the 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 Bills the second time around. Uh, We had just, you know, you know, just finished looking all right using Jeff Wilson. And then Jeff Wilson, uh, you know, has a serious hip injury. What looks like a serious hip injury. Turns out he was okay, but he wasn't able to play against the against the Bills. And then we actually played that game with, you know, Basically one starter in the secondary, and mm-hmm. and did all right. I thought I thought that was a really fun game. Uh, that's kind of the reason I like this sport, you know. Because I said it on, on on the three yards per carry Twitter account. You know, I get emotional about about basketball, you know, but mm-hmm. about football, what I like about the sport is the competition. You know, mm-hmm. some of it can be a little bit mundane, a little bit clinical and analytical. But this year, the the series between these two teams, the Bills and the Dolphins, that reminded me why I like this sport, why I love this sport, and why I like this team.
1: Well, and so keeping in in mind with that, like th- that's a good jumping off point for the next thing because third matchups against any football team in the same season like it's a weird thing, right?
2: Yeah, like, it's a uh, historically. Do you know what the the record is in the third game? between teams that split the the season series what is it? inside of the same division. Do you know what the, the record no. is overall?
1: No, I have no idea.
2: 13 and 13. <laughs> so this is a rubber match. Although, you know, you would think, okay, we're going to break the tie. But no, San Francisco and Seattle is having one in the NFC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I guess we'll be back to being tied. Unless, you know, uh, unless... <laughs> It goes, you know, completely for the home teams. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's usually an even thing. I was expecting if two played, I was expecting another barn burner, another fun game, you know, and then call it a season. You know, I didn't expect to win. I never expect to win when you're on the road against a good team and you're an underdog. But you know, without him, it's going to be very different.
1: Well, and so that that's where we'll probably start talking about the offense. I mean, it's a good place. First of all, Skylar Thompson's going to be your quarterback with Mike Glennon backing him up.
2: Mike Glennon. That's not that's not clear yet. By the way, okay,
1: all right. So, is there still like who would be the backup in that scenario?
2: Uh, There's a possibility that Teddy Bridgewater might start. Okay, Uh, uh, he was limited. He was limited today, but um, if they had to play the game tomorrow, it looks like Teddy Bridgewater will be the backup, and Skylar Thompson would start. Okay, but so Skylar Thompson
1: will be active and not Mike Glennon because I'll tell you this: I when I saw that you guys signed Mike Glennon. I did a belly laugh in my office and then you know, as I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm eating my salad at lunch, I'm poking around and I look and I go you know what? I have to look out of morbid curiosity because every offseason we joke that I don't think anybody's stolen as many game checks as Mike Glennon. <laughs> like, and so I look it up in Spotrac. You know he's made $31 million.
2: Uh, Chase Daniels has done better.
1: Chase Daniels has done better, but here's the worst part. Chase Daniels When he has had to do something on a football field, at least looks like a football player. Mike Glennon is a horse's ass, and yet they continue to sign him. Some team somewhere will cut him an NFL check every single year without fail, and I don't know why. I I, I was making the joke to my boss. I go, you know what? This guy, like, I want to sit. I want to be a fly on the wall for these these meetings when they bring him in for like a quarterback visit like as a free agent or like off the street in the middle of the season with these kind of quarterback injuries. How does this man sell himself to these teams? Because if that's like, depending on what he's doing, he should be teaching seminars on salesmanship because I have no idea how he spins that he's an NFL quarterback. And yet someone inevitably gives him a game check every year, like clockwork. It's wild to me. So seeing him end up on your roster, I was like, it would be hilarious to me to see him on a sideline here in Buffalo. Like, just Even him just giraffing around your sideline would be hilarious to me, knowing how much acrimony I just have for his existence in this sport. So Teddy Bridgewater, Skylar Thompson. Obviously, the game plan, does it change much depending on who is the quarterback?
2: I don't think so. I think the game plan is going to be pretty much what they did against the Against the Jets, which is run, run, pass the entire single game, the entire game. And now I have some ideas as far as X's and O's of what they could do against the Bills because they've done it. Uh, they did it really the second time. They discovered it, uh, I, I would guess, the first time, but didn't implement it as much as they did the second time. But I think you're going to see a lot of that. They're going to try to shorten the game, they're going to try to muddy up the game. They were, I'm pretty certain that they were hoping for really, really bad weather. You know, because you can even shorten the game in bad weather because yeah. the other team cooperates with you, right? They don't throw on first down as much. If there's a lot of wind, your opponent is not going to throw on, th- on first down that much. They're going to try to run and then they're going to try to play the same game you're playing. And if you do that, you can shorten the game and then you could do something very oh, similar sure. to what, and, what the Patriots did and last year.
1: And to your point, the Bills are one of the teams I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I know I've seen it throughout the course of the season. They are one of like the top, I want to say, 10. I know they're somewhere in the top 10 in terms of teams that throw on first down. So to your point, inclement weather would have helped them. But the fact that you're not going to get that, if you're talking about run, run, pass, like, what does this mean with the Mostert injury? How does that play a role? I mean, who are we looking at being the ball carrier here, you think? Because even if he is ready to go, I mean, even if, like, let's say they say, hey, with that surgery, he could wear a club. I think we watched a Michigan running back do it. Chris, true or false? Michigan running back with a club in his hand. Sounds Uh, about right. uh, During this postseason run of theirs, you can do it. The question is, what does it look like and what do they trust him to do like that?
2: Yeah, um, the coach today was asked if he's going to be available for the game. And he said that he hasn't ruled him out yet. And Raheem Moser is telling everybody he's playing. If he doesn't play, then it'll obviously be Jeff Olsen and Savan Ahmed, who's who's had like a resurgence on this team the the second half of the season. Uh, he played well against the Bills, by the way. I, I'm pretty sure you remember that on that Saturday night, had a touchdown, had a big run on a toss play. So it'll be Jeff Olsen and Savan Ahmed running the football and Alec Engel leading the way. So, you know, I would expect something very similar to what you saw for most of that game in Buffalo the second time around.
1: It's going to be, I just feel like with all of these injuries on the offensive line, though, like that's the thing where you're talking about trying to replicate that first game, but what kind of got you guys off the starting block was a hundred rushing yards in the first half. How do you replicate that when a half of with well, what I think all of your offensive tackles on the roster have some sort of injury designation, there's really no clarity as far as who your tackles are going to be. It doesn't exactly come across as the most threatening team anybody's going to ever see coming to Buffalo and try to run the football on a Bills team that's sneaky good at stopping the run.
2: Well, they, they, they kind of had some success against the Jets. Uh, both running backs had over 70 yards rushing, and they did it with, with what... That looked like a patchwork offensive line that they had toward the end of the game there. Uh, they moved Robert Hunt to right tackle to put Robert Jones, who was starting at left guard, at right guard. Liam Mickenberg played at left guard. You still had Connor Williams, and then they moved Greg Little to the left tackle. Uh, they're changing some things this week. It looks like uh, Kendall Lamb could be back this week. Uh, Teron Armstead, uh, he won the the Good Guy Award down here from the media for being the most accommodating because he's – He's actually he's – he's been a great son. He only played 13 games this year. He missed four games. They lost all four games. <laughs> so that, that tells you, you know, how important he was. Uh, he's trying to play, and most people think he will play uh, this Sunday. It's about functionality on on his drive leg. Uh, that's what it's about. It's not about pain. Like, he says he can play with pain. Mm-hmm. Pain is not an issue. So – they have a couple. Uh, the only serious injury they took out of the the jet game, which is a guy that I don't anticipate will play, is Brandon Shell.
1: That Brandon it, it Schell. looked bad. Like it looked bad. I'm on my phone and I'm looking and I go ah to the Jets because I'm like, why isn't the Jets score going final yet? Like, what's happening here? These teams are tied six to six and there's no one showing it on a screen here in the stadium. And then I see the update from on the ESPN thing. They're like, well. Uh, TV timeout and they updated at the bottom like injured Brandon Shell and I was like fuck they've done another tackle <laughs> <laughs> Hot, one more <laughs> it's it's just the worst bit of luck and so I just look at that and I say to myself I'm, I just pulled up the stats so if you're looking at DVOA for defense Buffalo is the fourth best uh, fourth uh, best according to DVOA but in terms of rush DVOA they're the third best in the NFL. And I just feel like if your offensive line isn't 100%, it's gonna. and if your running back stable isn't 100%, and your quarterback <laughs> stable isn't, you don't have a threatening quarterback behind the wheel of this offense, where's your level of concern that they're, I don't know, that they're going to be able to orchestrate any of that with all of these other mitigating factors?
2: I think they're going to be able to muster up a run because uh, the the Dolphins have, and, and I hate saying this because it reminds me of the guy from the, the Patriots. What the hell is that, the name of that guy that went to, the, to, to Notre Dame? Uh, he became the head coach for Notre Dame. He was the offensive um, coordinator Charlie for the Patriots. Weiss? Charlie yeah. Weiss. Charlie Weiss. Yeah. When Charlie, you remember when Charlie Weiss says, we have a distinct schematic, uh, <laughs> advantage. Remember yeah. when he said that? Okay. Our, our, our outside zone system. Is tailor made to defeat Leslie Frazier's rules on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys always stay in nickel. You always play over, and and this is in the film. I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. coming down from the mountain with the tablets on this one. All right, you guys always play over on the on the strong side, and we're a weak weak side running team. Okay, and when you run weak weak side power, or you run weak side outside zone. You usually run ISO and you're running ISO against the balance guy on the defense and the balance guy on the defense that always plays nickel is always a nickelback, which means that the game plan is going to be pretty similar to what they tried to do the second time in Buffalo, which is try to turn Teron Johnson into dust Mm -hmm. by the end of the game and then try to win an ugly game and try to get turnovers on defense
1: and the fucked up thing now, is that the first time around it could have worked it could have worked if your coaching staff didn't fucking abandon it in the second half
2: so it's a very simple very simple simple game plan okay it's, it's gonna have to be accompanied by by luck uh turnover luck especially like get a bounce here get a bounce there get an interception here an interception there uh a clean game on special teams but offensively, yeah, it's going to be run, run, pass. And then the counter to that, which has always been for, for Leslie Frazier, is to bring down Jordan Poyer. And once they bring down Jordan Poyer, is when you throw it past them. Mm-hmm. So that, well, that's, know, that's going to gonna be to your be one key of those.
1: to take some shots yeah. down the field when they cycle those safeties down into the box.
2: Yeah. So you're thinking something like, you know, what a perfect game plan would look like would probably be 50 snaps. 35 runs, 15 passes, and out of those 15 passes, five of them are deep shots. That's what, what I'm thinking. And I'm still waiting for it. They haven't done it all year. You know, They had 3,000 yards from their two wide receivers, but they, they hardly ever give them the ball in the run game. I think that that's, you know, if not now. When, <laughs> well,
1: know. exactly. On In a game like this, you need to kitchen sink this thing because no, you're, you're running out of daylight. It's time. If you got it in the book, throw it out there because you can't take it with you. On the defensive side of the ball, because that's you know, offense. You guys are going. To, I think that's going to have to be what you guys have. Is if Mike McDaniel's has any original thoughts left, stuff that he knows works, you know, he, he could be over there writing up plays like in a. You like basketball, like in a basketball game. If he wants to call Tim out and draw up a new play from scratch on the sideline, now is the time. If it's in your head, you need to leave it out there on offense because these guys are going to need all of the help they can get. On defense, there's something that stands out to me about the the Dolphins here. During their five-game skid, the Dolphins were giving up 27.5 points per game on defense. Now, obviously, a lot of that has to do with injuries, but some of it's schematics. And I know you're not the biggest Josh Boyer fan in the entire world. Your defensive coordinator has some really aggressive tendencies that don't help you guys, and ultimately, it took a dead in the water Jets offense to bring you back to statistical respectability. I mean, I'm looking at this—you you played the Patriots and lost. You blitzed Mac Jones 15 times, only managed to get pressure on half of those attempts, and you give up a pair of touchdowns to Mac Jones in the process against Green Bay. Figure, and I mean. Aaron Rodgers isn't what he used to be. So obviously he's not as intimidating, but you blitzed more than you didn't 25 blitzes versus 17 pass reps where he, you didn't send pressure. And it was in those blitzing circumstances that Aaron Rodgers staked 180 of his 20 238 yards and had a touchdown pass. So it just seems like the times that, Jordan, your Josh Boyer, that he chooses to try to build this pressure and send extra rushers. It always just is to the detriment of your coverage units coming into a game like this against a quarterback like Josh Allen, who has made you guys pay, has made everyone who blitzes Josh Allen inevitably you pay. He's got to have something else, right?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for him to, to uh, you know, duplicate the, the game plan that he had in week three. He doesn't have the horses for that game plan in week three, but, uh, they had some success, uh, in Buffalo the second time around until they did it, right? So these last three weeks, uh, their numbers are actually looking up. Um, remember the Patriots had a pick six to augment those, Mm. those points. So, so they give up 16 points. They give up, uh, you know, they give up field goals uh, against the Patriots. Uh, against the Packers, uh, you remember the game started with a 98-yard kickoff return, so <laughs> they had to go two yards to kick a field goal. <laughs> All right, and and the Dolphins kept them out of the end zone, so that's a that's a plus to the Dolphins. I think they played very very well, well defensively the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dolphins, uh, they are relying a little bit more on on blitzes, especially on third down. But I would expect it for them to dial it back. They were they were injury riddled against the the Patriots. Like they went out there without Bradley Chubb. Melvin Ingram had to leave the game early. Uh, Jalen Phillips had to leave the game early. Uh, Christian Wilkins, who's indestructible, had to leave the game as well. You know, and they still give up 16 points. They're going to be relatively healthy. You know, I don't. don't, (laughs) That's not saying much. That's not saying much. But just expect the same defense that you saw in Buffalo. That's returning this week against Buffalo not yeah. any healthier not but not any more injured like you know they're gonna get a couple of guys back it looks like Bradley Chubb was on the on injury report uh today but it looks like he's gonna play uh he's nursing that wrist and he keeps trying out different braces for it because he doesn't want to wear a club he says he can't feels his feel his hands with a club he can't rush the passer which is understandable
1: I don't know so, I get it like if you think about anything you've ever tried to do like put an oven mitt on your hand and try to do anything, <laughs> Like anything around your house. If you're just dicking around, try to have an oven mitt on when you're cooking and then go from the stove to literally anything else. It becomes it becomes a difficult task. I can't imagine what it is trying to wrangle another 300 pound human being with almost one hand tied behind your back. Like that just seems it just doesn't seem like a recipe for success. So I understand it. It's just a tough spot for you guys, and then there's one thing that I wanted to pick your brain about. It's very specific, but it's just something that stood out to me because your defense. We all know that at the like at the beginning of the season, you guys have all of these assets tied up in your secondary. The idea and was obviously that your secondary kind of like how Chris think back to what the Bills used to be. Our front seven wasn't full of stars, but our secondary was. So good that you expected them to augment the performance of the guys in front of them, and that's kind of where you expected your pass rush to come from, and one hand would wash the other in that way. Well, thanks to injuries, none of that could happen this year, but one bright spot was Kader Kohu. Kader Kohu is this young rookie who just kind of explodes out of nowhere and becomes a super reliable DB for you, and... One of the things I noticed is that over the last, I mean, he leads, just as an example, he leads the NFL in targets with 106, and he's only allowed 69 catches. Like, he's on solid statistical footing. This isn't just window dressing. But over the course of the win streak, or this losing streak, I should say, some pedestrian statistical output, just some multiple games, giving up a lot of yardage, couple, you know, a couple touchdown, just not being as impactful. Has he hit a rookie wall? And is, or is this just a byproduct of him trying to, I don't know, is it matchup driven? What's leading to that trend for Kohu?
2: Um, I don't know. I, I think it's, it has to do, you know, he is taking some, some, some DPIs as of late. Uh, he had a big one against the Jets, but he, otherwise he ended up with a pretty good game against the Jets. Uh, he allowed negative i don't know how that's how, that's possible but he allowed negative 13 yards receiving on two catches so I, I guess in his in his area in his area they threw a screen and he and he tackled for losses so you know i'm not too worried about caterkohu uh he he needs to to be a little less grabby he's very very grabby and that's that seems to be something that uh You know, we kind of like around here. It's, it's the New England system. We play a lot of man. So our guys are going to grab and they're going to hold. So, you know, he's been all right. I think he's, he's a keeper going forward, but they've, they're switching the philosophy completely from a team that was driven from their secondary. And if you think about it, you had 16 million in Byron Jones. He didn't play a down this year. You have another 16 million in Xavier Howard, who's, who's, Injured with two groin injuries, literally. Had bat.
1: You guys are holding him together with fucking duct tape.
2: And he's had an awful season. Okay. Uh, uh, oddly enough, he's had some good moments. Yeah, mostly against Stephon Diggs. Uh, both games, I thought he played really well against Stephon Diggs. Uh, Javon Holland has been injured, you know, off and on. But that guy's a warrior. Like I thought that he had broken his arm against the Patriots. And he runs into the into the into the locker room, and he comes back out with his with his forearm taped, and he says, "Nah, it's just a bruise. I'm all right. I'll play." So you know he's been steady, but no Brandon Jones, no Nick Needham. Uh, those were huge losses. You know you don't know if you can rely on those guys, but you kind of know you can rely on what you have up front. Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb. That's the core of the defense, and that's going to be the core of the defense for next season. That's who's going to carry the team. So, well, so that's the, what they're transitioning toward.
1: So in this game, is it fair to say? As we before we let you go, a uh, couple matchups that you think will dictate the game. Big one right there, just your defensive line against our offensive line. Do you think it's fair to say that that's probably one of the matchups that's going to decide this game?
2: Yeah, they're going to have to have that performance that they had week three. Uh, you know. The one that they had in Buffalo, you know, they made some, you know, they they made some plays, they got some pressure, but it wasn't like week three. Week three, they had Josh Allen under siege. Uh, I believe it was 14 quarterback hits, five sacks. So, yeah, they're going to have to do something similar to that that they did in week three and then really muddy it up on offense and just find yourself within a score in the fourth quarter. And then you need luck.
1: Do, do you think it'll take luck to get them within a score? I mean, what's your pretty? If you had to predict, you're a gambling man. I know. I know you love a good wager. If you had to guess, we were talking at the top of the show how this game has the largest spread in wild card game history. If you had to try to prognosticate, how far off at the end of this game the Dolphins will be? What do you think?
2: Uh, I would say that line, the line is 13, right? Right now. Yeah.
1: I mean, we've been joking. Uh, that was also interesting. Well, I was say we've been was also we've because been it ridden. dropped
2: all the way down to what? Eight and a half on DraftKings last night? Because, because people they, thought that two was going to play?
1: Yes. And I, I saw the Action Network posting articles about how we've got an insider who says two is going to get cleared and he's going to play. And you saw the line move based on that information. And I just kept yeah. thinking to myself, I go, all season long, Chris and I have been joking about how one of the safest bets in the NFL is to take whoever's playing the Bills with the points because they don't win but they cover this fucking spread. So plus thir- the Dolphins are plus 13. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that they can like they, if you could take them with the points you could win a little cash here.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing, right? Because I remember like if it was yesterday, 2016 Um, I wasn't doing the podcast, but I was on another show. It was mostly a gambling show, and I made one of my best bets that day. Take the Dolphins and 11 and a half against the Steelers. The final score of that game was 30 to 12. Dolphins had the ball toward the end of the game, driving for a touchdown to try to make it 30 to 19. Last I checked, uh, unless they would have gone for two, that would have been horrible, right? And they don't get it and they lose 30 to 18, and they don't cover the 11 and a half. So, you know, I felt I felt that I was on that. I think you're going to see something similar to that in this one. Like, they're going to threaten to cover toward the end of the game, maybe. So, yeah, that 13 number seems right. Like, it's right on the number. Like, uh, it's one of those numbers where you look at it, and you're like, you know what? I'm not playing this. <laughs> I'm not, you know. You know, I don't I, like, exactly I'm not convinced Chris one I, way or the other. Yeah, that's you know? what
3: I said. I said at the top of the show, I was like, I'm just, you know, I'd stay away from it.
2: <laughs> Chris
1: is like, I'm not touching this game because I don't know what to do with it.
2: Yeah, like if I told you that the final score was going to be 20 to 9. Yeah, right? Like I could see something like that, 21 to 9, something like that. You know, it's, it's, it, uh, you know, I wouldn't touch the game. That's a pretty, uh, I a not touch the game. And I, don't a, have a, and I don't have a feel for the game either.
3: That is a pretty good prediction. You're right on brand with all these field goals.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I you know I just don't have a feel for it one way or the other. Uh, with Tua, I did. Uh, with Tua, I felt that this was going to be a game that was going to be within a touchdown at the end of the game. And then you know you're back to those things again. You know you need sometimes you need a little luck. You're the underdog. You need a ball to go off somebody's hands and go right to the belly of like Xavier Howard and have him running back for a touchdown out of nowhere. You know something like that. So, yeah, they're going to need luck to to win extreme luck and a perfect game plan. To cover, they're going to need some luck.
1: Alf, it's been a crazy season. I love the fact that we've kind of cultivated this relationship over the years and we finally get to have a playoff game. And then we can finally do a recap where we can sit down, drink a couple beers, and just talk about it. <laughs> we can hear Alf Arteaga at the end <laughs> of a season I'm really looking forward to this one. I I mean, I I wish it was under better circumstances. I wish it was under stronger circumstances for your team because I like, I mean, I, I like, obviously I like moving on to the playoffs. I also like the idea of a competitive game of going to the stadium and seeing just a really tight, fun football game to watch, which is what the Dolphins have given us every single time they played the Buffalo Bills. To your point. With that in mind, you guys are going to have a ton of coverage over at 3 Yards Per Carry. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find it?
2: Yeah, you can find it at the number 3 Yards Per Carry on Twitter, of course, and you can get all our all our content, and there's a lot of it this week, on Spotify,
3: iTunes, everywhere, and that's also the number 3 Yards Per Carry. Alf Arteaga, you can go follow him on Twitter at Alf underscore Arteaga, 3 Yards Per Carry. Also, the number three yards per carry. I was going to mention this at the top of the show, so I need to do it here. I need you to stop tweeting about the Sabres.
1: <laughs> your, your
3: your goaltending business tweets mentioning Portillo and Levi. No mention of UPL, who's been on a fucking heater. Oh, good. And then he got loaned to Rochester because... Comrie's back off the uh, the injury block but this is why Port- I can tell you right now why Port- Portillo hasn't signed because he was drafted by an old regime now he's going to be in college you know as a goaltender you're going to play your whole four years so now you got to monitor your own situation and then he sees that we trade for Devin Levi who is on par with him as far as his development mm-hmm UPL is two years ahead of them and Portillo and Levi both know once I get out of college, I'm probably going to have to ride the pine and the miners on a bus for two years. Fast forward that with UPL. He's 25, 26, probably in his prime and Portillo's not going to sign here because, so wait a minute, by the time I'm ready, UPL is going to be in his prime and could be their goaltender of the future for the next six to ten years. Why
1: did Kel Peterson bail?
3: Probably regime. Let me ask you this. Where is he now? I knew you were going to counter with that. Listen. Yeah, just, where is it? Nine, lost nine eight to see a nine eight game in twenty twenty three NHL. Loses a game after signing a three a three by five deal. Sent on waivers. Nobody claims him. So Portillo is just monitoring his situation because he wants to. You know, he he knows anywhere he's going to go, he's got to ride Pine before he gets called up. But based on where UPL is and how he's played the last couple weeks, Portillo's like, I'm probably not going to sign here because. That's probably their guy based on the way he's playing, and I will lead you with this. Seagram's bet the next time that the Sabres are in the playoffs, game one playoff game, is okay. going to be started by UPL. And I will take that, that bet. season, <clears throat> and then also that for it to be valid, UPL has to play a majority of those games in the regular season.
1: I will not only take that bet, but... I'll give you two out. We'll go double or nothing Two on that. That's how confident I am that you're wrong. And also how confident I am that this team isn't making this, the playoffs anytime soon. They're fun. They're fun to watch, but realistically they don't have the defensive discipline uh, their defensive core needs a lot of work, and their goalies can't bail them out. And you're talking about a franchise that thought. I love how we've shoehorned fucking hockey talk into the back end of a playoff, playoff preview. Well, but it, if you want to have it, here's what I'll tell you: You're a franchise that decided that I need to prioritize a 40 fucking one year old. Guess what? I'm you don't have a 41 year old coach. I, you don't have a 41 year old assistant coach. Yet you thought you know it's a good idea. We need to give money to a 41 year old veteran goalie who can help the, the growth of our young guys. Well, guess what? Now UPL's ready. Now he's ready to start contributing. And guess what? You have to do this juggling act because you're, as a franchise, a horse's ass when it comes to how you handle goaltenders. Allmark. Does Allmark look like a guy who's ready to be a real NHL goaltender? Of course he does. All he wanted was a little financial security. You as a team refused to give it to him because you were like, wow,
3: we have a pipeline. I'm, so, I'm sorry, who was... Uh, Allmark wasn't the guy Said as said by who? You? I said by me, and you know what's hilarious? Our franchise
1: still fucked it up. Now I'm watching how this is going with UPL, and I go, hey, so they're gonna now have three goalies. After I listened to Marty Burango, there's no way a franchise can have three goaltenders. You can't do that. It's not good for development. It's not good for... and. Oh, they're going to have three goalies, and they're just going to juggle everybody. That doesn't sound like a group of people who know what the fuck they're doing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I don't trust them blindly.
3: I am very confident that when the Sabres are in the playoffs next. All
1: right, so two. It's two Seagrams. It's not one. It's two. That's how confident I am.
3: Two Seagrams. One for UPL being the majority starter for the regular season followed into the playoffs being that starting goaltender. I'm as confident as Greg Thompson was (laughs) making a stake bet with you. How fitting is that your stake bet (laughs) is going to get determined on a divisional opponent? It is kind of fucked. It is kind
1: of fucked. That's what I'll say. And also I love that we just subjected at least two thirds of our listeners to a conversation that they know nothing about.
3: No, I'm sure. There's no, that's a lot. the
1: best part of being. But Chris, that's there's the best a, part of doing a podcast like yeah, this.
3: There's a lot of crossover. It's our show. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. There's a lot of crossover. It just. I'm sorry, but last night that that irritated me.
1: Oh, I knew it was. I, yeah. even, told my, I even I even you said just, to my you, wife,
3: you you meant you tweet go, about Chris, goaltending I, I, and you make no mention of UPL. I go, Chris is going to see. Which me makes me believe that so you don't mad. believe in him
1: I don't believe in any of this. I feel bad for my wife that she roots for that goddamn team. That's right. I I feel bad for my wife that she has that logo tattooed on her rib cage because she cares that much. And watching them stink hurts her the way watching the Bills stink hurts me. Luckily, we don't have to worry about that because we're the number two seed in the NFL and I get to sit here and do a podcast where we talk about how great the Bills are and how we're going to shit stomp the Miami Dolphins. It's coming. It's coming, and here's your keys to victory,
0: Chris. Wow, that's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man.
1: I do think that there's some truth to what Elf just got done explaining to us. That defensive line core, that front seven, we talked about the importance of the pass rush. How Ken Dorsey handles that is going to be a major determining factor in how this game goes. Josh Allen is one of the NFL's better quarterbacks in terms of pressure in the pocket, his ability to make throws from dirty pockets, his ability to use his legs to mitigate pressure or at least buy himself time for a given play to develop. At the same time, that shouldn't be your game plan. You shouldn't be heading into a game going, well, my quarterback's just going to run around and make some schoolyard bullshit happen. You as Ken Dorsey have to go into this game knowing that your opponent, because Chris, I think back to that Chicago game. They blitzed all of the time. They knew that their secondary couldn't hold up if they just, you know what I mean? If they didn't pressure Allen, they knew that by and large they weren't talented enough to survive for very long if they gave Allen a ton of time to pick their defense apart. So they sent wave after wave after wave of pressure, and we saw Ken Dorsey make mistakes. And then not only make mistakes, but then when he recognized it, he stubbornly would not change his approach. I mean, the most damning one was it's third and eight from your own three-yard line. You know that they've blitzed you on every single third down for the entire game. They're going to blitz you here if you line up in shotgun. He decides to not only throw it, but throw, uh, basically call a play where every single pattern, there was nothing to the sticks. Everything was 10 to 15 yards downfield. It's mind-boggling. And of course the play failed. It was an epic failure. Ken Dorsey cannot have those moments in this game. This is a game where you know that their team has an understanding that the defense is going to have to find a way, invent ways, to disrupt your offense and keep this game close so that their undermanned passing attack and running attack can keep the game close. You're going to watch that pressure come, and in those moments, he's going to have to have some quick outlets just built into the game plan. It's going to have to be the thing of, listen, I want check-down options built into this. I want check-down options built into this, and not just here, Chris, but it kind of leads me to the second key, using ancillary options. You know, At the end of our recap show, we talked about how nice it was seeing some of these new faces stepping forward and making plays, guys who hadn't done much, but, but they also haven't been called upon to do much until now. Ken Dorsey has a whole boatload of options at his disposal. I'll tell you what, there's other players he can lean on, specifically the running backs in this one, that I think he's going to have to. If the goal is, Chris, to get out of this thing healthy, right? That's the goal. Yeah. It's a game you should win. You're the biggest favorite in wild card history. It's not just winning. It's winning and getting out of this thing without killing yourself in the process, which means you don't want to leave. Josh Allen to stand back there while while Josh Boyer dials up blitz after blitz after blitz package. Checkdowns are great. That's nice. But also, when you get in the red zone, he can't be afraid of getting creative and using some of these ancillary options. Now, it worked last time. Touchdown from Quentin Morris. Touchdown from Naheen Himes. Look at Reggie Gilliam. Reggie Gilliam's a player I look at and I say to myself, he's got three games with double-digit yards after the catch this season. It's interesting. Never gets used. Never utilized in the passing attack. Now, maybe you're saving that, right? Like, maybe that's... You know, Greg Thompson, I don't want to say he took a lot of flack, but he got a lot of comments from casual fans on Twitter when he kind of made a comment about how I can't wait to see what he's been like, what Ken Dorsey has been kind of keeping under wraps over the course of the season and what he has that's new, fresh wrinkles to break out in the postseason. Reggie Gilliam in the red zone almost feels like a no-brainer, doesn't it? He's your fullback, so he's... By, by default, the heaviest running back type player you have. Yep. His yards after contact numbers are good. And his yards after the catch number are good. Better than pretty much anything either one of your running backs can give you. Short of Cook in the open field. But if you're talking about a condensed space of 10 to 15 yards where the defense doesn't have to worry about you getting over the top, mm-hmm. you're not getting the type of space that Cook gets anywhere else in the middle of the field. I want to see him show that he can utilize and leverage some of these other assets, because if he can, Chris, we blow, we beat, we cover the spread easily.
3: Yeah, to piggyback off of that, I'm going to want Ken Dorsey. This is a key to victory here. My key to victory is that when he, I'm assuming his, he keeps his playbook. It's in like, remember from high school, he had it in your five star notebook. The three ring binder, (laughs) and that's where he keeps all of his plays. And then I'm going to need him to go to the tab where it says plays I've learned from Rick Dennison <laughs> and rip those out. Where, where everyone ends up at the same spot? Yeah, where McKenzie and Gabe Davis ended up with each other at the goal line. I'm going to need for that to not happen on yeah, that, Sunday.
1: That can't ever happen again. It's like, Ken, whatever that play is, don't ever call it again.
3: Yeah. In fact, forget. For, forget it. Forget that it, it exists. Forget that it
1: exists. Tear, tear that sheet out of every. I want you to go to every player. Every player on the roster, ask for their playbook, tear that page out, and eat it. That's the only way. It's the only way to make sure that it's gone forever. (laughs) Uh, As far as the defense goes, I really, you know, Elf hit on something there that I think it feeds into a point I'm about to make. Him talking about ways to get Waddle and Hill involved. It, it you know their involvement if it's Bridgewater Bridgewater can throw the football I you know what I mean like I would as a coach in a playoff game I would try I would give him a little more rain their offense is a timing based offense where they throw into windows they have kind of predetermined this is where we're gonna go it's pre-snap we'll do a little bit of change against the line of scrimmage but the, they're generally speaking not throwing into coverage. They're throwing and generating yards after the catch. And that's really easy to do when you have guys like Waddle and Hill at your disposal. So it's a, it's a smart plan. And their plays in that regard, even even Trent Shurfield, he's pretty good. He's not a guy you can sleep on. But that gets easier to orchestrate if Teddy Bridgewater is your quarterback. If Skylar Thompson ends up having to take the start for the Dolphins in this game, this becomes a whole different animal because... You know that Waddle and Hill are your best offensive players. And at the same time, you're going to have a really difficult time getting them the football down the field. And that's probably going to encourage the Bills to put more safeties in the box, to bring things down. Does Skylar Thompson over the top to Tyreek Hill scare you? No. No. So with that in mind, on the defensive side of the ball, the key to winning this thing, I mean, obviously I... There's two. One of them is linebacker discipline and the game, you know, the game Teron Johnson is going to have to have. Now, he had a monster. He's coming off a monster game against New England. They are going to try to pick on him. He's undersized. He plays like a dog, but he's undersized. And they're going to challenge him to do some things that he's not exactly comfortable with and just make some make some plays that maybe he's not big enough or physically built to make. You know, you get a fullback out there on Teron Johnson. I don't know how good he is at blocking that. Like, how does he shed that block? It's going to be hard. And they're going to try to generate yardage that way. Our linebackers are going to be thrown a lot of eye candy. And there's probably going to be, if even if Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, they're going to look to get Hill and Waddle involved in this rushing game. Gonna, I, I expect to see Jeff sweeps, and I expect to see some more exotic looks, some pre-snap motion, some orbit motion, anything. All of these tricks that Mike McDaniels has used to run this offense all season, they're going to show a ton of eye candy just to make the little things work. Our linebackers are going to have to have their heads on a swivel and stay disciplined because they can't fall for the misdirection. You can't. Yeah, Their attack is going to be very Rams-esque this weekend. Those three guys, Teron Johnson and our two starting linebackers, are going to have to play disciplined football. And they're going to have to process very quickly. Because the defensive line is going to do its job. I mean, Chris, the offensive tackles, I'm not worried about our ability
3: to generate pressure. No, they might pay, play uh, pick you out of the stands to come play. I mean, have you seen this wingspan? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll tell them. They'll go, "Hey, what are your qualifications?" They go, "Hey, I wrestled John Cena at a bar once." <laughs> but but I really do think that it's going to be on that linebacking core to win this football game from a defensive standpoint. The safeties are going to rotate down in the box and help Teron Johnson, but I expect to see them have to carry the load. I think if each of them is going to have to have multiple solo run stops and more than a couple passes thrown their way because you look at the weapons, who do young quarterbacks usually go to?
3: Tight ends or running backs. Mike Kosicki's not the best tight end, but he's an
1: athlete, He's an, especially in space. I could see a world where they decide this is how we're going to live and die, and we say, look, we're going to use motion to try to open up the linebackers and take some shots with Kosicki, some shots from the seam with Waddle, uh, keep a hill on the outside, and maybe once in a while dial up a deep one. If our linebackers can do their job well, there exists a world where you stake such a lead that they can't do anything but just kind of spray and pray. <laughs> I think that this game, Chris, as far as a prediction, what do you think? Like, I think that it's a more than 13-point win.
3: Uh, I think, But we'll, that's
1: crazy because it's playoff football.
3: Yeah, I think we'll win. I'm going to put it at... 27 to 16
1: Okay 11 point game Yeah That feels That feels fair I like that
3: It's either that Or it'll be like It'll order will be like 27 to 14
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well that now I can see But I can see a universe Where each one happens Like if I'm If I'm Doctor Doctor Strange Is that what it is I- Doctor yeah. Who, Doctor Strange. Of, I'm not one of these comic book
3: nerds. Doctor No.
1: I watched a couple I watched a couple Marvel movies. They were fun. In fact, Chris, you and I saw the first Avengers movie together at the galleria. Yeah. I don't know. My ex maid made me go and watch it with you and Shannon.
3: I have no yeah, recollection of that.
1: I do. I watched that movie and then I watched like three other ones. And everyone's like, well, you got to see this Marvel movie. And this movie won't make sense if you don't want to. I don't, I'm not doing it. But I do know that one of the guys can look into the future and he can spend time and he's just like, well, I could see a timeline where a universe where like this happens and it's a tight game and the Bills have to scrap it out and win by 10. I could also see where we beat these guys by 20. <laughs> I think it depends on if all these things that we just talked about happen and if these guys do their fucking jobs. I expect that they will. And I expect that we're going to have a lot of fun next week prepping for the next round. We'll have to wait and see. But for this week, I'm Drew Gear, that's Chris Kruger, that's Far Tiaga, and this has been your wild card preview.